Well, welcome back, everybody, to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannon. And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful um, for you for listening, for joining us today, wherever you're listening or watching from. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for being with us today. We actually last week gave out um, kind of a challenge to reach out. Um, we did for you, the listener to let us know what your favorite episode was, what you're really enjoying about the podcast. And we actually had several people. I want to say we had seven or eight people that actually reached out or commented, commented mostly actually on YouTube. Maybe it's easier to comment for those of you watching. Well, because we don't really post it on Facebook. (laughs) It is on our Hill City accounts. They, they shared little clips and reels. But most of the people uh, that reached out actually, um, an overwhelming majority said that that very podcast last week, Mental Fitness, was their favorite podcast we've ever done. So super shocking. But I think it was cool that we started off the year with that idea of, um, of mental fitness. But, uh, but again, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. We always encourage you to reach out to us, give us feedback, um, Give us a review, leave a review, rate us, share. subscribe, share, all the stuff. You know, Do it. you know, Do the dang you know thing. the drill. Uh, but today we're going to continue this um, this adventure in maybe mental fitness as we're really talking about things that we learned in our he- series here at church, um, navigating minefields. And I'm right. excited to get into that. But before we do, I know you came in today with such a just good such mood. like positive energy and oh. just like. Guys. rejoicing uh, because this past I'm, week, this past Sunday, why don't you tell them what happened? Well, they know. They know. We said, <laughs> as we concluded last week's episode, we said we weren't going to talk about the Lions because I didn't want to jinx them. And I know you're, you're like, oh, you're talking about the Lions. They still have a playoff game at home, by the way, a second one coming up this weekend. It, this is not a jinx. I'm just, I, I'm embarrassed to say that their winning put me in such a good mood. Like that shouldn't happen. <laughs> I should have a better mental fitness yeah. in my whether they win or lose yeah yeah well no that 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 was wrong wrong Why? whether they win or lose because all i know is losing with the detroit lions <laughs> so just let me have this moment i was just so happy for jared goff there's just so much storyline if you don't care about sports you can just fast forward about two minutes jared goff matthew stafford that storyline Matthew Stafford actually was really upset at how he was treated last night in Detroit. We, Matthew Stafford, you're not listening, but if you ever do come across this sound clip, we love you. However, in the game, we were booing the Rams, not you. And But also, when you stepped on that field, you were our enemy for those 60 minutes. Uh, we love you, Stafford, but we beat you, right. and I'm so pumped about that. Just the storyline. Detroit needed it for the city, baby. Eminem was there. Before the game, you sent me the clip, and I didn't see that before that, but Eminem came out on TikTok saying, Stafford, let us have this one. Give us just one victory. They showed it (laughs) pregame. Did they really? There was a lot more to that. The stars showed out, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson. I mean, there were so many people there that was – it was just good for the city, and it was a great game back and forth. I'm just really proud to be be a Detroit Lions fan and to uh, just sulk in this victory. It's been – I was going to say, is it the first playoff victory in your lifetime? In my life? Oh, well, they had one in 91, but I was four years old. Four years old was the last playoff victory. So really in my adult life, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm proud of them for just overcoming actual adversity, not like the adversity of the University of Michigan. They didn't come over, overcome adversity. They overcame cheating. Different story. We're not going to get into it at all. (laughs) Hey, we're we're about positive (laughs) uh, affirmation here and uplifting people and encouraging people, not pulling others down. So we're not going to talk about who we're against. We're going to actually 
if we can find common ground who, and which we are for we, which are the all common people. ground is the detroit lions so there holler at detroit <laughs> really excited about this it, 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 yeah we've never had uh, long football games through the month of january yeah. let and alone because dallas lost you guys like and you already said it get a home Another playoff home game. game this coming up week. i know i'm excited super cool i'm excited so yeah this week's episode we're titling it who told you that and it comes from genesis chapter three three genesis chapter three and actually mikey big shout out to mikey williams she preached the second week i think in the sermon series that mm-hmm. we did last year in 2023 and she said something to open up when she was preaching. And I've been thinking about it for six, seven weeks now because I think it was amazing. Her quote was right before she she did the transition and, and got up there and said this. She goes, it's always a blessing to stand here on the stage of Hill City and proclaim the goodness of the Lord in you. Mm-hmm. And I love that she added that in you part. And I've just been marinating on that because I do see some other church services and I never want to be the type of pastor that uses a church service for my gain personally or to have to clarify behavior that gets exposed. No shot at anybody publicly just saying that. And I love that she said that because when we preach our heart behind everything that we say is empowerment. We want you to know how amazing God views you. We want you to know the things that you're capable of because you have a God who's cheering you on, who's proud of you, who has faith in you, regardless of what your faith even is in yourself. And that's kind of why we even do this podcast is to really help you understand that you matter and you can contribute to the already built kingdom of God, which is alive and active, ever-present reality in you. And I just love that she said that. because because sometimes as communicators, especially in the church world, we can talk at length about the goodness of God yeah. and how great he is and how loving he is and how Which good we will he die is. On. Yeah. And we will continue to do that. But then it's a separate thing to talk to people and say, you know, you are good. You are loved. Yeah. Right. About the goodness of God in you. Like yep. it's just so empowering. Period. Period. So yeah, we will use our stage. That is a hill that we will die on is showing that God is good. And oftentimes the rebuttal is, yeah, but he's also just. No, there's no scripture that says God is just. God has justice, but his justice will always look like his love because God is love. And his justice is always mercy. Right. If you go on to read about 1 Corinthians 13, all those things that says love is, you could just replace love with God. God is all those things. So figure it out, you know? Yeah, no, I love it. And then it goes on, 1 John talks about how perfect love casts out all fear. So if you have some fear of God's justice or something to come then you're missing the point because his perfect love, which he is, it's not just what he does. It casts out all fear. Yeah. And what is the fear? Fear of any type of judgment because God's justice looks like mercy. Which we'll close this episode with some unpacking of two scriptures. But yeah, who told you that? Let's... Right. And so like, you know, as we dive into this yeah. and we go back to the story of Genesis, there's a few things that we want to pull out before we get to like um, the main thing that we want to talk about in this in this podcast episode. But if you go to the beginning and in this creation account, um, God created, and then he looked at what he created specifically with Adam and Eve, and he called it not just good, but after Adam and Eve, he called it very good. And it's one of those things where from the very beginning, we see how um, people in their true essence and identity are good Mm -hmm. and they're not like what we like to talk about or most people talk about today, they're not broken, jacked up, messed up, all these things. No, they, they're perfect, they're good, they're loved, they're whole. And 
we see this even in the account. I think it's um, the very last verse of Genesis 2. It actually says um, that Adam and Eve um, and his wife, or Adam and his wife Eve were naked and they felt no shame. Mm-hmm. Like there One was, of the best verses in all yeah, the Bible, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah, so they were what? They were fully transparent, vulnerable themselves in life, um, and they felt no shame. There, there, there was absolutely no shame. But of course, then we read the very next chapter, the very next verse, how um, there was a serpent that tempted. Um, we can get into all kinds we of conversations. Might, we might get into around that, that later, um, in the future. and what that and what that entails. But you know, they do eat of the tree. You know, God says you can eat of any tree, just not this one. And we always want to focus on the fact that you know, that, that they did eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but man, God created so much freedom right from the beginning. Like you're free to eat of any tree and we don't focus on the goodness of all of that, but they did eat of the tree. And then it says that their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. So what did they do? They went and they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. And then they went and hid. Well, God came like he did every day to have a relationship with them. Couldn't find him. It isn't like God didn't know where they were, but he called out, where are you? Well, they came out and they said, well, we, we were hiding because we were, we realized we were naked and we were afraid. So we hid. And in this story, you think about it, they sewed fig leaves. They went and hid when God came. So at this moment, they weren't really naked. Yeah. Interesting. Because they had fig leaves covering themselves. Which you've been to Israel and you've seen fig leaves, right? Yeah. And they're not very big. They're not big at all. Yeah. Pun pun intended. (laughs) But that's an interesting thing that many people don't don't point out <laughs> is they said that they were hiding themselves in shame because they were naked, but they weren't naked. Right. However. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, then they opened the door to um, this idea of judgment because of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the interesting thing is this judgment wasn't the judgment of God. It was their own judgment Ooh, toward themselves. Say it again. And because they opened up this judgment toward themselves, this is the way they saw themselves. What did they immediately do? Mm-hmm. Well, Adam began to do the blame game. Yep. God, it was this woman that you gave me. And Them remember, dang on women. <laughs> last week, right? We talked about this. We talked about this cycle. I talked about shame, fear, control. But in that, you know, you mentioned the cycle of this idea when shame comes in, then we begin to blame. And out of that blame, right, it, it bleeds, bleeds over in, into our behavior. And what we like to talk about and look at people and say, not, I don't say, I don't know why I'm using that word we like to talk about, but what a lot of people like to talk about in the church world, whatever, is because of their behavior, that then becomes their identity. Mm. But our behavior isn't who we are, right? It's, it's what people are doing out of this cycle of shame and, and, and blame and really because of a fear of being rejected. Yeah, which no one really wants to be rejected. I get it. And that's why you find so many people, at least in the Christian world, are striving for acceptance without knowing that they already are accepted by the one that created them, regardless and before they did anything good or bad. And I love that focus on saying that it was their own judgment and not God's is because so many things in our own lives, so many things in my life are really my own judgment towards myself. And you have to align your judgment with God's judgment and which we will unpack here as we close here in a, in a minute. But I love, I love that you said that. We'll sh- big shout out real quick. First of all, if you actually study this story, not to get super controversial, but there's a lot of debate whether or not this is a figurative story that has a lot of powerful principles behind it. 
because if you do study it, there are many creation stories that are very similar to this creation story that were written many years before Genesis was penned. However, whether it's real or not, there are some great truths behind this reality of the fact that they were naked. One, Because a lot of people will, well, if it wasn't for Adam, we wouldn't be dealing with this. Well, my friends, okay, if my wife is naked giving me some fruit, I don't care what it is, I'm going to be eating it because my wife is naked, right? So we put so much blame on other people instead of recognizing, okay, we have an opportunity to eat from the tree of life on a regular basis. And so many times because of our own judgment specifically towards ourselves, we still eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the good branches are still in the same tree as the bad branches. Right. The goal isn't to quantify yourself as your good behavior or bad behavior. The goal is to eat from the tree of life, which doesn't focus on that. Right. And I, and I remember hearing a long time ago, um, this, this notion of when you look at people, it's not that they are good and it's not that they are bad. You know, so like you just said, even if we try to focus on the good, we were never even supposed, we were never meant to understand good or good and bad. It's not that they're good. It's not that they're bad. We simply have to understand that they, we are loved. Yeah. And that's it, period. Yeah. I love that. And so there's that one question that happens in the garden. And it's my favorite question in the, in the entire Bible. After they filled with shame, they yeah. hid, they tell yeah. God this We realized we were naked and so we went and hid. All that stuff, quantify it what you want. God's response isn't one of judgment. His response is, who told you that? Who told you that? And I want you as the listener, whatever season you're going through right now, I want you to internalize that. What is the one negative thing or judgment you have to your, towards yourself that you are saying you are not this thing? And one of the things I deal in counseling, and it's huge, is this idea of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Who told you, listener, that you are broken? Because brokenness is a byproduct of trauma and experiences. But broken is not your identity. You have never been broken. You have brokenness, but it's not who you are. Fill in the blank. Who told you that you weren't lovable? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you all of these things? And you can almost always, especially in the counseling world, trace it back to some type of childhood trauma or experience, whether it was your own decision or somebody else's decision and abuse of your life. But we have to start asking that question better of, wait, who who told me? Getting to the root. Who told you that? Yeah. Who told you that you were unlovable? Who told you that you weren't worthy? of love who told you that you'll never be able to accomplish things in life who told you that you don't have enough talent or ability who told you what we can keep going on yeah. and on and on who told you that because i promise you it wasn't um it wasn't god it wasn't our father because that's not the type of dad that he is right so not- where did you pick up the lie that you weren't enough or that you were broken or unlovable or whatever the case may be in your life or that you are the victim like whatever it is who told you that Exactly. And I, I'm going to, one of my buddies put out a a message or he put out a Facebook post. He said, you got to listen to this church service message from a local church. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it, but whatnot. But yeah. I, so I went on and listened to it. And honestly, the service was awesome. However, the title of the service is called Undeserving But Loved. However, I, I watched the whole thing. The pastor never said that phrase at all. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not, or if somebody else titled it based on the talk. Who told you that you were undeserving? This is such a Christian facade that you're undeserving, but you are loved. The gospel message is only good news. It is not bad news first and then good news. And many people would disagree with that statement. But everything that God does in creation is good. 
very good. You are deserving and loved. It's not undeserving but loved. It's you are deserving and loved. It's a both and, not an either or. And so that just really triggered me. But then I listened to the sermon, and it was really, really good. But it didn't say that. And it's like we have so much verbiage within the Christian church where we accept these negative things about ourselves, which, by the way, came in in 1054, the great schism, the great split in church culture, where we started to adapt this negative mentality first. Oh, I, who am I? I'm an, just a dirty little wretch. Oh, I'm, I'm so undeserving of God's love. My friends, you are not undeserving of God's love. Do you look at your kids that way? Do I ever in my life, my kids right. are only nine, my seven, and one. My kids my love, but I got to do it. Yeah, that, that is not how I view my kids. Right. And you think I'm a better dad than the father of the universe? Like we have to start questioning the stupid stuff that we say to make God seem bigger and better. I don't need to look at myself as undeserving, but God still loves me to, to view God better. Like I can say, no, I am deserving of God's love because he's my dad. Right. And it is so important that we start confronting that BS because who told you that you were undeserving? Who told you anything? that you believe about yourself that's negative. Who told you that? Right. And I would say that this kind of like leads into the next the next portion of this in that like when we ask that question, who told you that? Basically what we're trying to get at is who told you you were something that is contrary to your true identity. Original and always, identity. <clears throat> excuse me, who you've always been. Yeah. And really when we think about the story, the ultimate problem in, in the garden wasn't that Adam and Eve sinned. It was that they forgot their identity. Yeah. It's a problem of mistaken identity. Whenever they said, you know, eat of this tree and eat of this fruit and you will be like God. They should have answered, well, we already are. I know. Like we're created in his image and likeness. I don't try to, I don't have to try to get things to become something that I already am. And so that's where they messed up. They forgot ultimately who they were. For sure. So unpack Romans 14, 12 (laughs) before I unpack Second Corinthians five ten because we have to go back to this judgment because then it's like okay well are we undeserving because there's certain language sometimes in the scriptures yeah. that not, don't necessarily represent the heart of the Father appropriately yeah. and I do remember something that Mikey said in this series she said we have to start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortably vulnerable with ourselves and she talked about then how we speak the same as what God speaks we we say the things that God says about us and so as we we dive into that and look at that I'm actually gonna unpack something that I just recently came across that removed a lot of fear from me, but lines up to speaking what God says about our life. And it's found in Romans um, chapter 14, verse 12. And it's a verse, uh, the context is around this idea of judgment and what that is. And so Paul says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now, how I was always told Mm -hmm. and, um, someone painted the picture of what this looks like to me growing up, it was all, we're going to stand before God. And maybe he has like all these hundred different televisions around mm, and all these different scenes of things we did that Remember were wrong. Remember when you were 11. And, yeah. Like all of these things. And so, right. It built a lot of fear in my mm. life thinking, man, one day I'm going to stand before God and give an account of everything that I did. Well, whenever you really look at this closely, you begin to unpack this. There's some beautiful things in what Paul's actually trying to say. So then each of us will give an account. Well, this word account, if you look it up in the Greek, it's the word logos. It's the same word where we get the word of God mm-hmm. and the written word. And we know from John chapter one, the word who was with God was God from the beginning. Verse 14, John chapter one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word was Jesus. Always has been. And so when we look at this, each of us will give an account or 
the word of ourselves to God, we begin to speak what God says about us. It's totally changes before him. And so it's wait, no, God says that I'm loved, Mm -hmm. that I'm approved, that I'm justified, that I'm righteous, that I'm whole, that I'm perfect, that I'm as beloved, like all of these things. That's the account that we give. I love that. Understanding what he's done. I love that because that verse and why we're going to bring up second Corinthians five ten. those are the only two verses that talk about you giving potentially a future account for your decisions. And people always go to this, well, you got to make sure you're doing all the right things because you will give an account again. Second Corinthians five ten says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Sounds pretty clear. Well, this is why you have to go and unpack certain things if it seems fishy, because that would be contradictory. Is mm-hmm. God forgiving and has no record of wrongs? Right. According to 1 Corinthians 13, according to Hebrews, according to seven other places in Scripture, then that's a contradiction. Or maybe it's a mistranslation or a misunderstanding. It actually, uh, if you go look it up in the original Greek, it says, for all of us will be revealed. That's what that means to uh, to appear. All of us will be revealed or to make clear in front of the judgment seat of Christ. Well, wh- where's the judgment seat of Christ? It's not in our future. The judgment seat happened at the cross. Right. Okay, so what was made clear at the cross or what was revealed at the cross um, that we may receive back? That word, uh, it, receive back, it's it's not due. In, the, in, the, in our translation, it says we'll, we'll receive what is due. However, that, that word in the Greek, it means what has belonged but was lost. So it could read, you'll be received back, not what is due, but received back what was lost but has always been yours. Right. Well, what, has, what was lost but has always been yours? Right. What God speaks about you. Who right. told you that you weren't good enough? Right. Our original identity. Our original identity. According yeah. to what you did, whether it was good or bad. Right. So it's whether you did good or whether you did bad, guess what? Your original identity, which I spoke over to you at the creation of the world, let me remind you who you are. And it totally changes that understanding. And this isn't just made up because you go six verses later in Second Corinthians, same chapter, chapter 5, verse 16 to 21, it says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When did that happen? Not based when you believe that happened at the cross 2,000 years ago. Yep. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which is now our ministry. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting not people's counting sins people's against sins them. Against right them. there. Yeah. So verse 10 has to be a mistranslation because not nine verses later, it says their sins aren't counted against them. So again, I love that verse when you when you look back at it. You're going to appear before the judgment seat. Well, no, no, no. At the judgment seat, it will make clear that God has always spoken good things over you. Yeah, man, I love that. That is so, so good. good. And it's back to what I said just a little bit ago, and this is what we really want you to take from this. It's not that you're love, or not that you're bad, and it's not that you're good. It's you are loved, period. Love, and that's period. where we rest. That's where we put our hope. That's where we put our trust. That we're people who are loved. Mm-hmm. Exactly the way we and were very deserving of that love. Yeah, deserving, worthy of the love. I love that. So just know we, we did this so that you would remove any fear, rest assured that you are God's. He's got you. Uh, many times we go through trauma in our life. We have to start speaking the right things over ourselves, speaking the things that God says, aligning our view of ourselves with how God views us. So if you view yourself negatively, you are in the wrong because 
Yeah. God is speaking a different story. Who's wrong? Probably you, if it doesn't line up with what God's saying about you. You are his beloved, and he is well-pleased with you because it's not based on your performance or your belief. It's based on the performance of Jesus. So wake up to it. Align your belief with it so that you can activate the truth of who you have always been. Right. And so very practically, when you get in those situations where maybe you're feeling inferior, you feel less than, you're feeling negative about yourself or the people around you, maybe ask yourself that question, wait, where is this coming from? Or ultimately, wait, who is telling me this Mm -hmm. right now? And where did that come from? Is this something that God would speak over my life? And if it isn't, then you're believing the lie. You need to counter that with what does God ultimately say about me and walk out your full identity and who you've always been created to be. You are loved and there is nothing you can do about it.